I want to share with you Unity's metaphysical look at the story. So we have a story of us. This is really a story of us, not just of one long ago, but it's also a story of us. It's a story of the reawakening of the Christ within us. It's, it's not born. The Christ can never be born, nor can it ever die, because it is the perfect image and divinity of God, which always has been, always will be. So this, this birth that we talk about is really like a reawakening within us. And it, it, there is something within every part of the story that reminds us of how this awakening and reawakening takes place over and over, not just once, but over and over. Mary, uh, Joseph, the manger, the shepherds, the magi, all have their place in our story of awakening and reawakening. So, take a look at this. Uh, we have the Christ, which represents the divinity within us. We have, next slide, Mary, who represents our intuition. We have Joseph, who represents our intellect. We have Bethlehem, which the very name means substance, house of bread. We have the inn, that's a part of the story, which represents that outer busyness that doesn't have time or room. We have the manger that represents inner stillness. And we have shepherds who represent watchfulness. And we have angels that represent uh, divine guidance and, and sharing a message of peace. So take a look at this. Mary represents our intuition, our pure intuition, which is receptive to divine ideas. Our Mary self is the receiver of the message of, of the Christ uh, reality of our being. Our intellect is not first to receive it. It wouldn't make any sense of it. It, it cannot receive it. The, the intellect, is, is, that's not its purpose. The, the intuition receives. The intellect finds a way to make practical use of what our intuition receives. Does that make sense? If we, if we only receive from our intuition and we don't have the balance of the intellect, our ideas or what we receive are just kind of airy-fairy. We don't know how to use them. You know, um, in, in all of life, we, have, we, we need the balance. The intuition, those who have the ideas, receive the insights, and those who know how to put them into expression. So our intellect helps us... Um, apply those ideas we receive, those spiritual insights that we receive. And that's why the balance, the perfect balance, the perfect marriage is intuition and intellect. Now, the requirement for Joseph to go to Bethlehem is also very symbolic of the spiritual journey. 
You know, the spiritual journey requires, in a sense, that we connect with our source, our source of substance, which is what the name Bethlehem means, source of substance, or place of substance, place of bread. And so it's important for us to connect with the source of our good, the source of our life. And then we have, as part of that story, wise men from the East. Um, Larry shared something with me this morning, but I'd already come across this, so great minds think alike, that there was a, a, a preacher in Alabama who had his own view of the occupation of the, of the three, you know, the, the three wise men, um, that they were firemen, because he said, uh, it says they came from afar. <laughs> That's how we talk in the South, afar. <laughs> I know, my family's from the South. But in the nativity scene, I know, think about it. Um, in the... the The nativity scene often displays um, three magi, or kings, right, Um, with their gifts for the Christ child. Now, they're there with everybody else. They're there with the shepherds. They're with the angels. They're with the sheep. You know, the whole thing. They're there. And we have poems. We have songs. We have little Christmas plays and everything. But all we know about them... Uh, doesn't really support that picture that we have of the nativity. What we know, the only thing that we know, is found in the second chapter of Matthew. And here's what it says. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is the king who has been born the king of Jews? Where is the child who has been born the king of Jews? For we have seen his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Then a little later in that same chapter, when they heard the king, meaning the wise men, they departed, and behold, the star they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, here's a little test. How many wise men from the East? Not three. Just says wise men. Could have been 200. We don't know. Probably that number three is because of the three gifts that were mentioned. No names were given. Did you notice that? But you know what? Christianity, the church, uh, it came up with somewhere around the 6th century. Some names for the three. 
Do you know those names? Any of you? Kaspar, Melchior, Balthazar, yes. Uh, and so that was added by the church. There's no name in scripture. None. Oh, and apparently, the word magi was used to refer to a class of Persian men, wise men, possibly priests, we don't know, who were interpreters of signs, like in astrology, signs. And so stories and songs speak of them as kings, but it doesn't really say they were kings. Um, We have that song, We Three Kings, which we kind of butchered the words (laughs) a little bit, didn't we? (laughs) That was me. I did that. You blame me. It's okay. And then there's that other song, We Saw Three Ships Come Sailing In. That was referring, because they didn't know about, uh, when they came up with that song, they had no clue what a desert was like. So they had them sailing in on, on the ocean. But Matthew simply uses the words, the Gospel of Matthew simply uses wise men from the east. And so that whole concept of kings probably came uh, out of the trying to connect from uh, the Hebrew scriptures the um, prophecy that kings would worship Messiah. So, uh, fast forward. We have the star. We have the star uh, guiding the wise. Um, the star represents the light of God that guides us. Wise men from the East represent our accumulated wisdom from all of our past experiences. Even Charles Fillmore alludes to our past life experiences that we've stored up all, these, all this wisdom, this rich wisdom that we have gained. And so our practice of giving gifts at Christmas probably goes back to this uh, report of, of the wise men giving their gifts. The gifts. The gifts represent our inner resources. Our inner resources are really the best gifts that we can give to ourselves, to each other, to the world. We think about gold as representing the abundance of spirit. The more connected we are, we are with who we are, with our divinity, then supply is there for whatever it is that we require in life. Um, as Jesus said, even the lilies of the field don't have to worry. You know, you will be taken care of. It's when we know our source. Uh, and that's the, that is the promise. Frankincense, the beauty of spirit. Isn't it beautiful when we have those moments and we just truly understand that we are spiritual beings, that we're having a spiritual experience here, even though we can have reports of this and that and the other thing, that we know in truth uh, the reality of each and every one of us is that love is who we are. And love is the gift that we have to give. And <clears throat> frankincense, uh, that whole concept of incense, haven't you noticed that almost every major religion uses incense? There's something about it that reminds us of beauty, 
some way it just lifts us. And myrrh, which is kind of an odd gift because um, myrrh was used in an embalming, but myrrh is a reminder of the eternality of spirit, the eternality of life. So wise men following a star can be a reminder that we always have inner guidance. Um, but following a star requires looking up, right? You don't look down for stars. You look up for stars. You keep aware. You keep um, an uplifted vision. So I think that's a good reminder from that. Pay attention. You know, for our spiritual guidance, when we ask and we seek spiritual guidance, then pay attention because the answer is showing up. And, you know, how many times do we ask for guidance? And then we don't pay attention, you know, when it's there. Um, we um, ignore it. Haven't we had that experience? You know, we know just the inner brain, you know, that, you know what I'm talking about, your inner brain that's in your solar plexus that know, that tells you this is the good way to go, this is not the best way to go. When we go against that, we know, we feel it. And so later we realize, you know, we didn't make the best choice there. We should have followed that guidance. Another thing we notice in the story in Scripture is the wise men from the East had been searching the heavens for a long time. Apparently, they were faithful and they didn't give up. Um, They... They were looking for that sign. And I think that's an important thing. And the other thing I thought about all this and how metaphysically it uh, applies is that when Herod tried to divert their journey, you know, in the story, um, they didn't get distracted by his shenanigans. Um, Even though it required that they go out of their way to go and find the child, they listened because they paid attention. In a dream, they were told, go another way. Don't do what he's saying. And so when we're asking and seeking guidance, look for it. Follow it. And we can be sure that when we do, we will always know what to do, how to do it, when to do it, will always be in our right place at the right time. So, Christmas is our story too. That's bottom line. That's unity's bottom line about Christmas. It is our story too. Uh, today is born in the manger of our hearts a re-awareness, uh, a, a quickening of our own wonder child, our own Christ within. And I sense that's the reason why we love to hear the stories of Christmas. Because we know it's about more than the birth of one centuries ago. Although we certainly honor and appreciate uh, everything that he taught and lived and expressed and left uh, as, as signs and ways and wisdom for us. But it's our story too. That's the thing. And every time we hear it, it's like love is born and reborn again in us. And I think also it reminds us 
of all the seen and unseen helpers we have on the journey. So many. We never forget that. The truth about Jesus is the truth about us. The truth about Jesus is the truth about you, the truth about me. And you know, sometimes we ask that question. When I chose this title sometime back, Are We There Yet? I wasn't really sure what the message was supposed to be. But are we there yet? You know, in a sense, we are already there. Because we are already pure beings of light, spiritual beings, beings expressing the God light and love within us. But in another sense, we're always in the process of learning more about that. So the journey is always a continual journey. So, the truth about Jesus is the truth about me.